You're listening to Second Breaks, the show where we talk about feeling better, doing better, and being better in midlife and beyond. I'm Lou Blazer. Here's a confession, my dear listener friend. If I were ever granted a do-over, one thing that I would do differently is I would take my well-being seriously, like from my 20s, my 30s, because let me tell you, my (laughs) well-being, it really didn't show up as one of my priorities back in those years. I was all about the go, 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 career, career, career. You know, it was all about climbing the mountain, uh, clearing the high bars, aiming for the home run, and every other possible cliched analogies that are out there. I had previously confessed, uh, I think not on this podcast, but definitely on the newsletter Midlife Cues, that one of the stupidest thing or the stupidest thing I had ever said ever was, I will sleep when I'm dead. Yep, my friend, that was me. I actually said that. Thankfully, some level of wisdom prevailed and I no longer think that way. Somewhere along the way, I learned the importance of self-care and putting my well-being in my list of priorities. That is why I'm so excited to have Ellen Kosher and Dominique Bendow here on the podcast. Ellen and Dominique are the powerhouse duo behind the Wake Up, Shake Up, Thrive programs. And they are the co-authors of the book, Wake Up, Shake Up, Thrive, How to Lift Up Your Life in Your 50s and Beyond. Ellen and Dominique met in a conference where Dominique was a featured speaker, and they immediately hit it off with their mutual love of good food and fine wine, and most importantly, their passion in supporting individuals and organizations to conquer the demographic challenges associated with being over 50. In this episode, Dominique and Ellen walked me through the five dimensions of well-being in midlife and beyond. There is so much to unpack in this episode, and I've got no doubt that you're going to walk away with many tips to incorporate in your life, just like I did. Let me just read a quick bio before I transition to my lively conversation with uh, Dominique and Ellen. Dominic Bendau is a Swiss national who has been working in human resources, leadership roles, and international organizations for over 30 years. She has experience in 12 different industries across continents. As the founder and the managing director of Point North International, she helps professionals and executives reinvent a career that truly fits their experience, values, skills, and purpose. And her passion for untapped potential goes far beyond conventional human resources practices. Ellen Kosher is Dominique's co-founder of Wake Up, Shake Up, Thrive. Uh, She has completed her undergraduate work in economics and finance and began her career as management consultant. As a seasoned executive and senior manager, she faced the challenges of a busy working lifestyle, sprinting between responsibilities, deadlines, and travel. In 2003, Ellen decided to slow down her hectic job to care for her three children, giving her the opportunity to 
to reassess her career-driven lifestyle. She has lost weight and discovered her best new self through nutrition and lifestyle change. Okie dokie, let me step out of the way. Here's my conversation with Ellen and Dominique, and I'll catch up with you at the back end. Dominique and I met about um, four years ago at a business lunch where Dominique was presenting the adventures of recreating a career after age 50. At the time, of course, I was over 50 and I thought this would be super interesting. So I went and discussed and then we decided to eat. I was sitting right next to her for lunch. So we were having wine and food. That was our first love. We both realized we love wine and food. And at one point, we realized that we had something quite in common. Dominique, would you like to pick up from there? So what we discovered when we talked to each other is that Ellen was working with people, helping them to regain that you know, physical well-being, losing weight, gaining confidence in the way they were looking. Uh, but what really was the issue is the lack of confidence at work that they had gone through, which created a lot of, you know, eating habits that were not very healthy or sleeping issues and so on. And on my side, I had clients who I was helping to recreate and find a fulfilling career, not feeling great, you know, in terms of how they sleep, no time to exercise, no time to really eat properly. Um, and we, we found out that our clients had very similar issues but diet, that because they work on only one dimension, it didn't work fully. So that's when we decided to create a holistic program where we work really the whole of the dimensions of well-being. As Ellen said, it was love at first sight, not only about food and wine, but also the work that we were separately and then that we did um, together. So the, the takeaway... My takeaway from there is that when I attend a conference and then I like a speaker, that I should approach the speaker. <laughs> and you should eat good food and drink good yes, wine. Exactly. That's very important to us, okay? <laughs> this is part of thriving. Really. There you go. When I like the speaker, I shall invite the speaker for some good food and good wine, and you never know yes, where it might know. lead. Exactly. <laughs> That's fantastic. And that was in Switzerland when, when that happened? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Downtown Geneva. <laughs> Awesome. Well, we're going to be talking about the five dimensions of well-being that I'm really, really interested and curious about uh, because I think I have my own sort of limited sort of perspective on these that I'm really interested in expanding today in our conversation. But before we go there, I wanted to just um, touch on a topic that I know you guys talk about as well, which is this whole idea of the stories that we tell ourselves. Now, we all know that there are, unfortunately, uh, ageist stories that are out there, the media, the beauty industry. We're sort of familiar with these ageist stories that are out there, but I know that you have a perspective about stories that we tell ourselves that aren't coming from external sources but that aren't very empowering or don't serve us very well. Can you talk a little bit about that, um, Dominique, maybe? So what we noticed when we worked with clients and, and also, to be honest, with ourselves some years ago, because now we are thriving much more than we used to. But what we discovered is that a lot of issues that they were encountering were starting with themselves, what was going out there you know, in their mind. So sometimes we were hearing things like, 
oh, you know, I'm too old too. And, and one of our big, um, big tagline that we use in our programs is don't grow old waiting. You know, life is too short. You're never too old to do anything, to fall in love, to start a business, to change life, to move to a new place. So the I'm too old ageism, sent- ageist sentence that we tell ourselves sometimes, we really work with people around us to ch- turn that and shift into it's never too late and, and, and now is the time. So it's just an example, but it could also be like, ah, oh, I could never do this and, and shift that to, I should try that and see how that works for me. So there's many, whether we talk about physical ability, whether we talk about financial um, limitation, it's to, to shift and to turn the limiting beliefs, the limiting words that we tell ourselves into enabling and, and reframe those words and sentence into enabling sentence like, I should try, or I can, or it's never too late. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I was having a conversation with a girlfriend of mine a few days ago. And as you were talking, Dominique, I just remembered, and we were joking about this, but even though we were joking about it, there is an element of truth to the jokes because we were talking about falling in love and we were saying, ah, too old to date, too old to fall in love. And like I said, we were saying it jokingly, but there's an element of truth there is that we weren't just, we weren't going there, right? You know, Lou, it's super interesting you should say that because one of the key exercises, and this is a great takeaway for your your wonderful listeners, a great exercise that we have people do is we have them check yourself for a week. Like, just observe yourself. See how many of those moments come up for you, like you had. And you've, you've observed it. It came up because Dominique mentioned it. We've just mentioned it to the audience. Try to notice this week, how often do you or someone around you say something like, oops, senior moment, oh, too old, too young, too big. Is it really true? And where might that be coming from? Because what what our research proves, and this is super interesting, is the way you think about aging determines how well you age. Ah, the, 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 the way you think about aging determines how well you age. Yes. Okay. So that's why we like to do that bit of a deep dive on that. And you're absolutely right. It starts with oneself and it starts mm-hmm. with that observation. Where mm-hmm. does that, why did I say that? What is yeah. that true? Exactly. So can I ask you both a question then? Like if, if we were chatting and I mentioned that, like we were just, we were having our good food and good wine <laughs> yeah. dinner and you know, someone says that, or I say that, mm-hmm. oh God, Dominique, I'm too old to date, mm-hmm. or I'm too old to find a, you know, a new love now. What, what, how might you gently coach yeah. me, guide me to yes. rephrase, rephrase that sentence? Yeah. May I, may I? Sure, go ahead. Sure, go ahead. It would be absolutely, Lou, is that really true? And we would start that conversation. And then you would go, well, and then you'd start coming up with stuff or not. And that's just the one, it's the greatest coaching yes. question. You turn it back. Is that really true? Huh. And I guess among friends, we can do that too, right? If so, if one of our friends says the same and, thing. And sharing experiences to shift and realize that what seems true to you 
might not be the truth for somebody else and that somebody else has lived it differently. So we, sh- we also love to share experience, but also examples of what we see around us of people that whatever age they are, that they started their own business, that they moved to a new place, that they um, started to learn a new language, that they are teaching something that they never told before, um, but they do push themselves and try and test and pilot. You know, it's that curiosity of what if it was not true? What if I could do it differently? What would it bring to me? Gotcha. Oh, my goodness. I love that. And thank you for that like suggestion for how we might help each other sort of reframe because sometimes it's in conversations, in, in like informal conversations, friendly conversations you're having with colleagues and friends that these underlying, you know, belief thoughts, yeah, mm-hmm. beliefs come mm-hmm. out, right? You don't even realize that you have those. And then it comes up in conversation. And it can be a blocker. Not necessarily, but it can be a blocker to doing Mm -hmm. something you want to do or to learning Mm -hmm. something new or to opening up your life to something new. And when we are 50 plus, we've got another 40 years Mm -hmm. to live. So we Mm -hmm. better get it right. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Look, my mom. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. All our moms. Absolutely. Our moms, right? right? Exactly. Yes, absolutely. I love that. All right. Well, I want to switch our conversation because I know there's this topic and thank you for allowing me to go there for a few minutes because I know we wanted to or wanted really to concentrate our conversation in the five dimensions of well-being because as I mentioned to you before we hit record, I think I have my own limited way of thinking about it every time I think about well-being, particularly, well, (laughs) to be candid, when I was in my 20s, I I didn't think about well-being when I was in my 20s. I thought about working hard and getting promoted is what I was thinking when I was in my 20s. But now more and more I think about well-being. But I think I I over-index on the physical elements of well-being, but I know that's just one pillar. So why don't we start with the, since I think most people know about the physical pillar of the five dimensions of well-being, why don't we start there. Oh, actually, Ellen, before we start with the physical mm-hmm. well-being, could you like, just give us an overview of why these dimensions, what are these in, important for to begin with? Yeah, I will, with pleasure. And the first thing I'd love to do is I'd like everybody to imagine that pillar you just talked about, and I'd like to crash it down. <laughs> I don't want to think of pillars. Let's think of gears, like a Swiss watch. We're in Switzerland. Let's think of a Swiss watch. The reason, and I love pillars. Don't get me wrong, Lou. There's nothing wrong there. This is, this is all in good, good fun. And it's for the memory. We've crashed down the pillars. We've replaced them with gears because gears intertwine. And when one gear, one, one gear turns, the other gears turn too. We cannot change one without affecting another. That's number one. And number two, like any good watch, Occasionally, we need to rewind, we need to oil, we need to change pieces and parts, we need to feed it, and we need to take care of and nurture it properly. So if you think of your well-being as a watch, as a beautiful Swiss watch, okay, then we can think of how are we going to do with these gears. So clearly, and the reason we start with the physical gear 
physical well-being is the number one worry of people over 50. So you are not alone, Lou. Most of the humanity at 20, I don't care if I get COVID, right? At 50, you start going, "Uh uh-oh, maybe I'm worried. So that is very, very natural. So clearly, we will start with the physical gear. Physical, we talk, and then I'll tell you about the other five and how we found them, and Dominique is going to explore a little bit further. When we talk about the physical gear, we can break it down into sub-gears, nutrition, activity, and sleep. Those are the three main gears of physical well-being. And without going into details, you can imagine somebody, let's just say somebody comes to me to lose weight or to manage their food, and we find out they're getting no sleep. I'm going to work on sleep with them before we even work on food, or they don't move their body. Again, these gears are completely intertwined, and with age, with time, they change. So it's really important that we upgrade each one of the gears separately. And as we upgrade our gears, One of the main reasons that we want to take care of our physical well-being, you shared with us earlier, your mom has issues with brain health. It is the case of many people. One of the best preventers of brain well-being is nutrition, activity, and Mm -hmm. sleep. Therefore, we want to keep our brain alive and the other dimensions, which Dominique can now start mentioning to us, we'll start to look at what's going on with our brain. Awesome. And I just wanted to say, I've prioritized sleep now uh, more than anything else. This wasn't, this didn't used to be my priority. Of course not. Only in the last few years, right? Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. And you are right. Dominique, you have your own, your personal testimonial on that, don't you? Working with a coach. <laughs> Absolutely. When, when we talked about the physical dimensions, as much as I focused on nutrition, and exercise when I learned that sleep was actually the solution to many of my issues in the past, it was super good news because I love to sleep. So imagine, <laughs> it was like, all you have to do is have a good sleep. I was like, wow, I like that. I love life. So that's, that's pretty good news. So the physical is the base camp. And now we're going to start climbing that mountain to the other four dimensions. So if we, if we go to the next one, and Ellen mentioned the brain before, but there's many things that, you know, the, our brain is a, is a magical um, part of our body. But when we talk about emotional well-being, that's not something that a lot of us are used to talk about. Um, so what we help people uh, achieve through that, we mentioned nutrition physical activity and sleep for phys- for the physical dimension. When we talk about emotional, we talk obviously about emotions, but really what is the precise name of the emotion? What are, is, are you irritated? Are you curious? Are you angry? Um, it's like when you go to the doctor, if you're not precise of what is bothering you or what is inside of you as an emotion, it's difficult to manage it properly. So the first thing is to raise the awareness is as we have in our book, name the emotion so that you can tame it and manage it properly. And of course, we talk about bias in in the emotional dimension because it's a big part of how we feel and what stops us from feeling fulfilled. Um, positivity, passion, and also the impact our heart has on our head 
and mm-hmm. the other way around as well. A lot of people think of our brain, our head as the, the, the control tower that manages everything. But actually, our heart, by the way it beats, sends signals to our brain much more than our brain sends it to our heart. So oh. by managing our physical dimension and training our heart, it actually helps our brain to function better and our emotions to be healthier and more positive. And of course, because we both come from the corporate world, Ellen and I, uh, we talk about emotions at work as well, because it has a major, major impact. And we saw that during COVID, um, Mm -hmm. emotions are super important, whether outside of work or at work. I don't know how, what your experiences have been, because we've, you all came from the corporate world at one point, but when, certainly when I joined the workforce, there weren't a lot of, there wasn't a lot of talk about emotions, emotional management, anything like that Mm -mm. at work. Mm -mm. Right. And I think nowadays it's changing a little bit for the younger generation. What do you, Mm -hmm. is that your observation as well? Well, today, the number one workforce issue is mental well-being. Okay. And you can call it mental well-being, emotional well-being, but managing the emotions, yeah. stress is an emotion, yes. for yeah. example. Yeah. Being able to manage that is a key problem today in the workforce. And yes, it is very much coming to the forefront. Yeah. The good news is, Lou, the good news is that as we get older, we naturally manage our emotions better. Ah, Isn't that I interesting just, to yes, know? Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. It is a natural phenomenon right. that comes with maturity, which I think it's, again, it's, it's research we've done and it's quite fascinating. So we've got the physical, the emotional, and then we have three other dimensions. I think it'd be super interesting to explore. I'll mention them and then you can decide how you'd like to go forward with those. There's the intellectual dimension. We're still on the brain, the spiritual dimension, and then the financial dimension to make for five. Uh, the intellectual dimension is that I'm, I am, my, my mind is automatically thinking around like what we do for work or where we apply ourselves mm-hmm. intellectually, cognitively. Mm-hmm. Is that what, what we're talking about there? Yes, it is. Gotcha. Yes, it is. And uh, I'll pick this one up, Dom, if you're good mm-hmm, with that. Sure. The, um, the intellectual dimension, again, it could be called other things, but this is all about keeping our brain awake and alive. And keeping our brain awake and alive is very much about stimulating it constantly. And it's not going to be so much about um, the purpose and the alignment. Dominique will talk a little bit more about that in one of the other dimensions. But it really is about stimulating the brain. The best way to keep the brain healthy is to continue the neuroplasticity, which is the recreation of new neural pathways in the brain by doing anything new in life. And one of the greatest things that we can do to add newness, where people in the blue zones that live the longest in the world stimulate the most, is new relationships. So what you said earlier about, I'm too old to fall in love. No, 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 (laughs) no. On the contrary, it's what keeps us the most youthful and thriving is to continue with new relationships and nurturing them. What would you add to me? What I would add is then you mentioned before, Lou, that it's the how we use our intellect at work, but it goes much further than that. It's how you play, you know, how much fun you have that will also bring your brain the ability to learn, unlearn, relearn, try new things, meet new people, 
but also try new things, whether it's small things like, you know, I'm right-handed, so I usually brush my teeth with my right hand. But by using my left hand to do a lot of different things, it forces my brain to function and, and to try new things in a different way. So it doesn't have to be that complex and intellectual. It's the, the gym, the fitness of the brain that forces us to do things differently. If we go in the car and take the same route to go to the same supermarket or same place every day, why not take a new route or changing supermarket or trying something new that we are not used to, but in a fun way? Our brain loves to have fun. Learning doesn't have to be boring and doesn't have to be serious. You can have a lot of fun by learning new things and failing and trying again and testing and do that together with other people. Exactly. And for our generation, I mean, a lot of the things that we're opting to learn nowadays are fun things. They're not, you know, not the mandatory things that we used to have to learn when we were in mm-hmm, our 20s mm-hmm, or our 30s, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, so we mm-hmm. can we can certainly pick fun things to do. And I have, I have read that too, and I'm glad that you mentioned it, Dominique, that like changing just the routine so that it's like changing the automatic or disrupting the automatic. And that's engaging my brain to be more actively working as opposed to the automatic, you know, left, right, left, right thing that I do. Yes, I love that. I always read this in magazines, like be doing uh, crossword puzzles and stuff like that. Are those really useful or are those just like... They are. Oh, they are. They okay, are. Okay. <laughs> and not only the playful side, because we've got this notion in our society that when you grow older, you don't play anymore. Right. But we say the opposite. You should start playing again because playing, it releases positivity hormones. It releases dopamine. And we forget to play. I'm too old to play. No, we're never too old to play. Play is fantastic. And you will see that again, in the areas in the world where people live the longest and thrive the longest, they keep on playing. Yes. Awesome. I love that. We're going to get back to the interview shortly. I just wanted to briefly mention that this podcast is made possible by Midlife Cues. Now, Midlife Cues is a weekly digital publication for midlifers who are keen on making the most of their midlife. Every Sunday, we explore topics that help us live a joyful midlife. We talk about health and well-being. We talk about midlife mindset, one of the most important foundational things that we really need to master. We examine what growing bolder in our middle years mean for each of us individually. And we explore how we redefine success at work and in life. Give Midlife Cues a try by signing up for your free copy at midlifecues.com. Okie dokie, let's get back to the conversation. I wanted to leave the spiritual gear or dimension for last because I think I personally will have lots of questions. And so I'll leave that for last. But uh, can we jump to, can, can Ellen or Dominique, whoever wants to go and uh, tackle this first, um, want to <laughs> give us a synopsis of the financial dimension? I will start because I'm the economist. Okay, Ellen, I was, about, I was about to say. <laughs> we both like to spend money. Don't worry, we both like to spend money. So when we talk about financial well-being, of course, it has to do with having security. And it is the second worry right after health. 
okay, is the second preoccupation of people over 50. They worry about having enough money. Clearly, we're not going to go into details about a 401k or however you want to organize your retirement money. But a couple of really big takeaways. What will give us financial well-being? One is the security. Number two is being in the know. When we talk about being in the know, it's about having those conversations with the people we love, with our mothers, our fathers, our children, and our spouses or our partners about money. It tends to be a taboo. In Switzerland, it's very much a taboo. It's so hard to have a conversation about this thing. Yes. And it can be very, very difficult, especially for women. Um, Interesting. I notice in the workforce, I do a lot of work around menopause with menopausal women in the workforce. Mm -hmm. And a lot of women during menopause, they are so stressed by the menopause and by that sandwiching between the parents and the youth that that they quit work. And they quit work without knowing the financial worries behind that, the the implications. So we want to bring people on board to have a comfort with having this conversation about money. And this goes back to the way they grew up. This is what we call our money mindset. What is our money culture? Where do we come from? How did our parents talk about that? And what do I want to leave behind as a legacy, not a financial legacy, but how do I want to be remembered. And that requires stepping it up a little bit, mm-hmm. maybe upskilling mm-hmm. in the finances and not fearing that. Mm-hmm. I know in the US, I don't know how it is in Europe, but in the US, more and more uh, people of retirement age are having to return to the workforce. Some of them because they continue to want to work. Yes, that's great, mm-hmm. right? Because we want great. to mm-hmm. be engaged, continue to want to be engaged. But the reality is some of them are having to go back to work because they're finding that Financial. they're, yeah, they're, they're not quite able to, you know, 100, retire 100% based on the status of their 401k or whatever it is. So, and, and so it's, it's just the reality and they're butting up against the whole, ageist attitudes in corporate America. So it's become a bit of a, you know, it's become a bit of a problem. Issue. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. become a bit of an issue. Uh, but are we saying that, let me, let me just make sure that uh, I'm taking away the key nugget there, Ellen, is that first and foremost is that let's not be afraid to talk about this and really understand what our situation is and because it's it's the first understanding of the situation that we can figure out what our next steps are, where are we better positioned, whether we can retire or not retire or part-time or, you know, those other kinds mm-hmm. of stuff. Mm-hmm. Because definitely the one that you talked about is another reality, right? The, the, the having to take care of parents. Like in, in my case, I am lucky that my sister, my older sister is retired and so she's able to to do a lot of the caring for my mom but if we were all working you know it would have been a a big sort of okay what are we going to do with mom kind of thing right and so um in our case we got lucky in that context that one of us can Mm -hmm. actually step up but yeah Mm -hmm. Hmm. okay Mm -hmm. awesome all right well let's talk about the last gear the last dimension because i'm so excited the spiritual about the spiritual one Dominic, do you want to like walk us through the, the spiritual one mm-hmm, sure yeah and spiritual is often uh, we've noticed the same thing with ellen is when we have groups um sessions and group coaching is often not the dimension that people choose as oh this is the dimension where i want to evolve and i want to 
spend time on. But inevitably, at the end, they all say, you, you know what? I was thinking I was working on, I would be working on physical or I would be working on, on intellectual. But actually, the spiritual one really changed the way I look at life. And it, it's super interesting because that's not something that people anticipate when they start working with us. But when we talk about spirituality, it's not so much the religion part, which is a very personal, you know, having faith and, and spirituality is something very personal, but it's much beyond that. It's the alignment between, you know, the universe and your community and your own self is how aligned or misaligned you may feel. And where does that come from? And very often we find out it's it's about values. It's about the set of principles that we have about life and what is truly important for us. So we spend significant time on investigating what are the values, the one that boosts us and the one that puts us low as limiting beliefs and limiting values. Mm -hmm. So there's a, there's a lot of aha moments that we have seen by really being clear what's are my values and how do they help me or how do they block me from doing what I really love? And what does that mean in terms of alignment to society or to the universe? And how can I use that to feel more fulfilled, aligned, um, you know, have serenity Purposeful. in my life, purpose and so on. So of course, yes, we, we talk about meditation we talk about yoga, we talk about mindfulness that are great practices but it's really focusing on what are driving me forward what is the what are the foundations of my life in terms of values and what do i want to leave behind as alan mentioned before not in terms of money but in terms of impact in terms of what are the things that people will remember about me because the legacy that we leave behind you don't do that at the last minute to say, okay, I have one month to go or one year to go. You build that over your life because over life, that's where you transmit, share um, your values, your principles, your behaviors with other people. And that's where a lot of people say, you know what, when I'm going to think about her or about him, uh, when he or she's not around anymore, this is this because in my life or in the trench of life, that I experienced with her, with him, this is what I remember about that person. And that comes with purpose, alignment, and being clear mm -hmm. on, on our values and how they align with the rest of society and universe. Oh my goodness. I love this topic. I wish we had an hour of just this topic. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, do you find that when, when we get to, as we get to our age, is that, is that, our values change or it's because I'm thinking whether is it our values that change or is that we realize that we weren't living according to our values all our lives? I both. think both. Okay. I would say both, honestly. And that's funny because it was what was popping up as Dominique described it so beautifully um, is that with age, with time, with maturity, 
our values do change. Let's just think career. When we were 20, you wanted to have a great career. You wanted to make good money. You wanted to work. You wanted to travel the world. You wanted to wear a cute little pink suit. Those were really the things you valued. And today, the values are just different. They are no longer the same. And we need to we need to rewind the watch. We need to reassess regularly because our values do change. They do change with time. And we don't purposefully take the opportunity to do that anymore. We've all done those tests mm -hmm. when we were young, whether it were professional, but to actually stop in our tracks and say, well, actually, you said it yourself, you value your health today more than you did 20 years ago, or your well-being. Right. Yeah. It's, it's become really important. So if you're still doing the same thing you used to do, and yet your values have changed, that misalignment is there. But to recognize it, we need to stand back, like look at all the values, see what's driving me, what's draining me, and where I want to go. And that might require a little shifting. There you go. Right. All right, if I want to do that, I have to change my schedule or my job or whatever. Your mom is a great value. You, you, you know, you're, you're shifting your schedule because it's important to you now, more important than ever. Yeah, exactly. Now, along those lines, have you noticed that, obviously, as you ask yourself these questions, right? Like, what's important to me now? As you realize those things, you obviously engage with the world differently. You show up differently mm -hmm. because of your new values, right? Or the, the realization that these are the things that are more important to me. And so you show up differently. And do you find is that sometimes people around us can be resisting how we are changing because they know us to be this person and now you are this person or what's happening to you mm -hmm. that kind of thing mm -hmm. do you do you find that mm -hmm. do your clients find that it can be scary for some people because they've known us as this and all of a sudden yeah. they see us evolve and say okay so how am i gonna manage that new person that i see uh -huh. so there's a part of discovery so a the more you communicate about why you evolve, I wouldn't say change, but how you transform, evolve, why is it's important for you, why it's happening to you. Because it's not, it's not only age and number, it's mm -hmm. also experience and life events that mm -hmm. you've gone through that makes you maybe you readjust your gears because they don't make sense any longer. Um, mm. So it can be a little bit unsettling for some people. And also, some people see you evolve and change some habits and behaviors. They might be interesting to do the same, but they might not have the keys. So sometimes it's also to share that knowledge with them and say, this mm -hmm. is what's happening to me. And you know what? It's not that difficult. And you can do it too. Mm -hmm. um, and this is where I started. Maybe you find your own way where you want to start from. But it's it's not to create that envying that oh she's changing but i'm not but it's to sharing what you're going through and and mm. helping people around you to, to have the same kind of experience and along the same lines and not i don't want this to sound negative but sometimes in that evolution means that certain relationships no longer sometimes you lose people along the or way they mm -hmm. no longer align so for example like yeah if, you know yeah. if you used to drink a lot and you no longer want to drink then you don't want to be around people who hang around bars all the time it, you know things like You're that right, right? so right. sometimes yes. in that evolution some relationships mm -hmm. need to also be 
visited yeah. if yeah replaced by others sometimes yeah. you know we we call that crowding out as you choose and it's the same with food or or exercise it's the same thing as you adjust as you have new things that come in they crowd out the old and the old just take a different seat and what's happening in your brain every time you do that you're creating new neural pathways you're creating newness you're creating freshness and what you will discover is all of that will help help you thrive. Oh my goodness. I love that. You know what, Dominique and Ellen, I'm just going to have to invite you again because <laughs> I'm just going to have to that. invite you again and just talk about these things because my my uh, brain, if you can see my brain, it's like lit up right now and I have so many questions um about these things. Oh, so, so wonderful. And I, Thank you, Lou. Thank you. And I think I think this is it because these were some of the practical uh, ways that we could help our, you know, the listeners, our, each other, our, you know, mm-hmm. ourselves sort of like how, okay, I understand that this is what I need to be doing, but the, how do I actually, you know, make it happen? And for example, mm-hmm. this kind of a crowding out or like, you know, mm-hmm. uh, thinking about our new values, asking about, you know, our, like these are some of the practical ways that we could actually, you know, turn this into action or make this real. So mm-hmm. um, I'm just going to have to be on your calendars again. <laughs> well, this is fantastic. We would love that. And we're going to send you a copy of our book so that you can read through the whole thing and have tons of wonderful questions for us. Exactly. So um, tell us a little bit about your work. Cause you're, you're, you've joined together and you've created this project together. Can you tell us a little bit more about it and also yes. where we can find you and uh, mm-hmm. you know how we can work with you? Well, Dominique and I both come from the corporate mm-hmm. world, and we very, very quickly after that lunch in Geneva, we decided we wanted to write a book together, which we did over about an 18-month period, and it was pure joy to work as two authors. Um, we created Wake Up, Shake Up, Thrive. For short, it is Wuzut, W-U-S-U-T. <laughs> so Wake Up, Shake Up, Thrive, which is our website, wakeupshakeupthrive.com. Mm-hmm. And the book is called Wake Up, Shake Up, Thrive, How to Lift Up Your Life in Your 50s and Beyond, Swiss Secrets of Not Going Old, oh. where you'll discover a lot more about the gears. Wait, is it, is it written in French or in English? In English. <laughs> and the translation in French is coming out soon. <laughs> we provide programs and coaching. The majority of our programs are in the workplace. We help the workplace manage the aging demographic. And we work as consultants and coaches in the workplace for groups and individuals. Got it. Excellent. So corporations basically hire you to come in and do workshops for their employees. Mm-hmm. It's a part of diversity, equity, and inclusion very, very often. We're also, we've also done something with retirement programs. We've, we've made them grow up, as we say, <laughs> where we no longer, we want retirement programs not just to be focusing on finances. And now you get it. We want to focus on those other four dimensions. And then we'll also open our eyes to money mindset. But we're not going to do the 401k stuff. We'll leave that to the finance. To the financial so, services yeah. Yeah. What, organizations. What, what should we add to that, Dominique? Um, well, we-, um, we have great, um, great um, social media pages, whether it's LinkedIn, Instagram as well, um, and Facebook. So you can find us on, uh, you know, under Wake Up, Shake Up, Thrive on LinkedIn, on Instagram, 
Uh, we have webinars going on very often for either corporations or individuals who want to have a taste of what we do and get started. We're both very pragmatic, so we we want to go beyond knowing to actually start doing it and seeing the results of those changes. So that's why we've done the book, because by you know doing the webinars and the workshops and the coaching with individuals and teams and organizations, it allowed us to cover a part of the population, but we wanted to give access to many more people. So that's why we started in English. Um, the French book is going to be published mm -hmm. this summer. Dominique, it might be interesting for the listeners to mention the Thrive Guide Alive. Yeah. And the Thrive Guide, actually. Yes. So um, the, the Thrive Guide is the part of our book for those who you can find it on Amazons and Barnes and Noble um, online. But the Thrive Guide is a way to applying what people have read in the five dimensions in the book uh, to apply that in practice. So you, they'll find tips, exercises um, that will allow them to actually, like a workbook, to actually implement some of the recipes that we've tested ourselves. And because some people are better at either watching or listening to retain, we've also prepared a, a, a mini series of videos that take bits and pieces the cream of the cream, as we say, of the Thrive Guide into, into the, the real nuggets of the Thrive Guide into video series that are very relaxed and casual videos, but that people can watch and listen to when they have a walk or when they're, you know, taking the train or any moment when they want to have, um, some, some fun and some, yeah, some nuggets that they can start and implement. Some practical going from knowing to doing. If we went to the website, we will find the links to the videos. Yes. Yes. It's called Thrive Guide Alive. Mm -hmm. And you can also download the first two chapters of our book at no cost from our website. Again, it's very obvious um, on the pop-ups and things like that. Well, I am definitely going to put a link to all of those things on the show notes. <laughs> and I will be signing up and following you all over the place because I love this conversation i'm so happy this is gonna get so did so we happy thank that you we got connected. really really i am i'm so excited to read up on these things and you'll you'll see me following along i'll be a fan well i'm expecting to see you in switzerland to have wine and chocolate yes. and look at the wine okay <laughs> we're gonna have you right that's a must have Absolutely. a must have when i was 20 i was struggling with my self-confidence, despite having a loving family and the certainty that my future would be great, I was very shy, reserved, and looking for confirmations from the outside world. I had big issues with um, with my image and the comments that I was hearing around me about the way I looked and my weight at the time. So 20 years old was not really great for me. Now, when I look back at what I've done with pride, at 50 plus, and I have a few years beyond 50, 57 exactly, I, I live my life with pure joy, strong sense of fulfillment. I'm excited about what I'm working on um, and all the opportunities that lies ahead of me, not only backwards, but ahead of me. 
um, and all the places I can travel to, the people that I can meet work with, um, and all the things that I can think of as new ways of either learning, experiencing, or living. So I really feel like life is cool now. <laughs> so at 20, this is 1982, I needed to think about it. I was excited at the idea of discovering Europe. I was going abroad for the very first time for a semester in Rome, discovering amazing food, people, lifestyle. I was so excited to start my career abroad. I started learning Italian, but everything was like, oh, I was so excited about it. And now, today, I turned 60 this year, and I'm still discovering. I know Europe super well. I love to cook. I am a total foodie, and I'm still excited to work with people from all over the world. Only today, I speak the four languages. I'm married to a Swiss man. I have three amazing children, and I've had an amazing career, extremely diverse. So that's what I can say is that today I'm just as excited as I was when I was 20. I want to thank Ellen and Dominique for sharing their experience and insight with us. You're going to find all the links to their website and their social media accounts, as well as some highlights of this episode on the show notes at secondbreaks.com. And thank you, my dear listener friend, for joining me today. If you like this episode, please do me a solid and share it with a friend or two because word of mouth is still the best way to grow the podcast. And by mentioning this podcast to your friends, you're going to be helping me tremendously in reaching other midlifers who can benefit from our topics. I'll be back with a new episode in a couple of weeks. Until then, keep on making your dent, my friend. Cool beans.